Hello and welcome to The Pain Cave. My name is Jay Friedman. I am your host and I am very excited to be joined by yet another East Coast-based running stud. Today on the other line we have the newly minted national 24-hour champion Megan Alvarado. Megan, welcome to The Pain Cave. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. How is the first snowy day of winter going for you guys? It is pretty nasty outside. They did not treat our roads, and so there are accidents everywhere. Really? Where in Virginia yes. are you? Uh, Northern Virginia, so Fairfax County. Okay, okay. And, I mean, you can't get that much snow down there in, in a regular year. Um, We've had 20 inches before, but I think that was a fluke. Okay, okay. Um, but usually it's like three or four inches at a time, so it's not horrible. Yeah. They're talking about eight inches here. It hasn't actually started yet, but the kids got sent home from school early. Uh, nice. wh while we're dealing with snow here, before we get started, we just wanted to mention quickly that on the West Coast, the wildfires are still going. And the big story this weekend from an ultra running standpoint is the cancellation of the North Face Championships, which is obviously a bummer for everybody involved in the sport, but pales in comparison to what's going on with, you know, the loss of property and, and the loss of life. And, and we just wanted to just say real quick, uh, everybody be safe out there. Thank you to all the firefighters and the emergency responders who are doing this fantastic work trying to get those fires under control. And, you know, obviously, we uh, everything gets put into perspective when something like this happens. And, and we're all bummed about the race. But that's really nothing in, in comparison to what's just going on in general. So just everybody be safe. If you can contribute to any of the many relief organizations that are helping out with, like I said, the loss of property and everything else, or, or to contribute to the firefighters themselves, that, that would be really fantastic. There's plenty of places online, and I'll link to a couple of those in the episode notes. Uh, so please do that if you are thinking about those guys out there. Everyone be safe and good luck, and we hope to see everybody out on those trails again soon. Yeah, and while they're dealing with the fire, the fires, we are dealing with the snow and uh, are the beginning of another East Coast winter. But before we get into the winter, let's uh, look back at, at what's been going on with you, Megan. We met a couple years ago at North Coast, and uh, you had a really fantastic run at North Coast this year, which one, was one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. And this year, especially important because next year is a world championships year for 24 hours. So you are going to be going to France. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I have worked so, so hard to be on the 24 hour team. And it's literally a dream come true and this is your so, first this is your first national team right it is my first national team yes i was the first alternate for 2017 right right i remember that now but you didn't wind up going i know um adrian stansu had wound up being the first alternate as well in in 17 and paid his own way to go over and actually had a really good race but you didn't have the opportunity to do that i don't think I, I decided not to. I, they said that they would have a spot for me over there, but it, it just wasn't financially feasible oh, at yeah, the moment. Oh, no. that's, yeah. That's a... Yeah. So, yeah, so this is going to be in France, no less. Uh, that's quite a place to get an expenses-paid vacation to. Yes, yes. I, I'm very <laughs> excited. I'm not sure how much of the the trip will be paid for, but um, I'm very excited to be representing the United States. It's going to be something special, I think, to for you to put that that uh, jersey on and, and have the USA across your chest. That's that's a dream. That's been a dream of mine for a long time, and and I'm sure that's just going to be a, an amazing feeling to have that. I absolutely cannot wait to get my gear kit from <laughs> from USATF. 
it's something that I'm looking forward to. And I don't even know when they're going to send it um, just because October next year is a long time away. But, you know, I can always hope and pray that it's soon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's let's talk a little bit about how you got to this point. Because I know you've got not just a 24-hour background, but you're really somebody who does race on a variety of different surfaces and in a variety of different events. So how did you come into the sport? And, you know, was was the 24-hour an early focus for you? Or did that kind of evolve out of some of your more early experiences? Um, the 24-hour has evolved. Um, I got into ultra running because of my now husband. Um, I... I was training for my first marathon when he was training for his first 100 miler, and I just wanted to spend every moment that I could with him. Oh, um, that's so and sweet. So, yeah. <laughs> so he had me running 40 miles on trail before I actually ran my first road marathon. Um, and within a year, I had fast-tracked myself. Um, I did a marathon, 50K, 50 mile, and 100 miler. In your first year? year. Oh my God. Within a year. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I, I realized that I like the longer stuff. I don't really have the leg speed that you need for a marathon, um, or even really a 50 K or 50 miler. Right. Um, I, I'm in it for the long run and I, I'm not fast, but I'm very consistent, um, with my pacing. And so that's usually what helps me out with hundred milers and, um, 24 hour running. And I, I'm actually really, really into trails. Um, and that's how I really started with ultra running, um, more trails. Uh, the gnarlier, the better. Um, but I've found that I'm better at road racing because I don't fall as much. Um, <laughs> I'm very clumsy. I've won the Best Blood Award at Grindstone a few times. <laughs> and so um, I fall, but I keep I keep getting back up and I keep running. So. Yeah, I was going to say, unlike a lot of, um, I guess, 24-hour specialists, and I don't necessarily want to put you in that category, but you you have certainly made a name for yourself at that discipline. But unlike a lot of people who do run, you know, multiple uh, various 24 hours over the course of the year, which you do, you also, you you have not shied away from the trails. And and like you say, very gnarly trails. In some cases, you've got several finishes at Grindstone, uh, including a win there, I think. Uh, second, second, second place. a few okay. times. Yeah. Yep. And, and, you know, you've got finishes at, at Vermont, at Old Dominion, at uh, Burning River. I mean, you're, you're no stranger to the trails. Do you find it difficult to kind of bounce back and forth between those? I mean, because they are somewhat separate disciplines, you know, running trail races, especially kind of mountainous trail races versus, you know, spending times on, on loops, on tracks or on, on flat paved courses. Yeah, I I figured out maybe two or three years ago that I couldn't keep bouncing back and forth because that's what I was doing. Um, if you look at my ultra sign up, it was like a twenty four hour, then a trail race, then a twenty four hour. Right, um, right. I, I was basically told that I needed to pick one in a year and follow it. So um, when I didn't make the team for twenty seventeen, I decided. I just needed a break from 24 hours. I needed a break from running in loops and I was going to go back to trails. Um, and I really think that's a good way to balance out the body as well. Um, Mm -hmm. because I've come to the point where I'm almost burnt out for 24 hour running. And I, when I realize that I'm like, I need to go run on a trail. Right. Um, and plus the muscles that you use are different. And so being able to be balanced and stronger and being able, I love climbing, Climbing is so much fun because right. it's so hard. 
Um, but you get to see like all the vert on your watch afterwards. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> that's great. So you, you consciously break it up then you have periods of time or you, like a, a season or a calendar year where it's going to be, this is going to be a 24 hour year. And then the next yeah. year is going to be, okay. So you, you plan that out in advance. I did. Yes. Okay. Last year was a little, little tricky cause I got into the Georgia death race. Um, so I had focused, um, my winter training for fast track 24 hour. Mm-hmm. And then immediately I switched, um, once I was done and recovered to climbing, um, and trail running for the Georgia death race. And you're in, you're in pretty well there. Not far from a golden ticket there. Uh, yeah, I, me and Lee Connor were seconds apart. Um, and we, we ran together the last like 30, 40 miles of that race. I had busted up my ankle, something good. And I was just happy to finish. Wow. So yeah, I was in a boot for six weeks after the Georgia death race. So, oh wow. I, I look back and I was like, was that something dumb or <laughs> should I have stopped? But at the same time, I would have kicked myself if I had stopped and wondered, well, what could I have done? Right. How did so, that tra- how did that course compare to Grindstone in terms of the the difficulty and the technicality? Um, it's way more technical than Grindstone. Is it really? Wow. Um, it is. Um, the climbs are just about as hard. Um, but what a lot of people don't realize in Grindstone is a lot of it's runnable. Um, yeah, you have those really hard, long sections of climbs, but there's also really good chunks of runnable stuff in that. Mm-hmm. For the first, what is it? 30 miles of the Georgia death race, it is all hard up and down trail. Um, huh. That's rocky too. So. Yeah, the the rocks are what gets me. And and what yeah. what I've heard about Grindstone is just the descents with some of the really rocky descents are, are kind of scaring me off that race a little bit. Yeah, it's... Grindstone's a hard race. Yeah, <laughs> I'll stick to the easier ones for now. <laughs> so, okay, so you you say you split up your season or you split up your year in kind of a track specific or trail specific. How how specific is your training then over that period of time? So if if you know 2018 or the, at least the latter part of 2018 was a 24-hour year for you in in terms of getting ready for North Coast and trying to make that world's team, were you focused the majority of your running on flat road track speed that sort of stuff or do you still find time to get up into the trails um i it was primarily flat road speed but i don't even want to say road because i train on the treadmill um so i'll i'll take my dogs out for a loop around the trail around our house once or twice a week but primarily i am on a treadmill training and is that for lifestyle reasons just in terms of getting around work or whatever it is um it's it's more for safety reasons Mm -hmm. and that there's always water and there's always a bathroom Um, (laughs) because sometimes honestly i do 30 40 miles on a treadmill and there have been days where if i was out running 30 40 miles and i get 15 miles away and i needed to turn around and come home it would be a very very long slog home right um so i I try to listen to my body and if I know I can't push through, I won't. Um, and so I just, I like the treadmill. Wow. I, I like to people watch and listen to music. So, so, I mean, I, I don't mind the treadmill like a lot of people do either. 
but mostly in shorter spurts. Like I find the treadmill to be really helpful for like when I'm ramping up mileage or just trying to maximize kind of time on feet. And especially with lifestyle stuff with, you know, having the kids around, it's just, it's easier to be in the house and and doing stuff on the treadmill just because I'm available and they can grab me if they need, or, you know, my wife can grab me for something. And it spares you kind of some longer hours away from the family. But when it gets up past an hour, I'm, I'm real good up to about an hour, maybe even an hour 20. Beyond that, I'm just, it's, unless I have something really, really interesting on the TV, it's, it's a bit of a slog for me. And I can't really process the thought of a 30 or a 40 miler on the treadmill. Yeah, it's, you kind of just have to zone out. Yeah. I do a lot of interval work on the treadmill. I rarely run a consistent pace the whole time. It's okay. usually four minutes easy, one minute fast, three minutes easy, two minutes fast. Um, just to break up the monotony. Sure. Um, yeah. And I, I tend to vary the, the incline a lot when I'm running on the treadmill again, to, to break it up a little bit. I find that if definitely. I try and run different, not different speeds, but if I try and run fast speeds that I would have no problems with, uh, running outdoors, I really feel like I'm struggling on the treadmill. So I just, I keep the pace usually pretty easy. But so you're able to really just zone out and do it, huh? Do you have a TV or is it just music and and just Um, internal? I I run at the gym and so there are TVs to watch, but there's no TV on the specific treadmills that I like to run on. Right. Um, So usually it's news stuff and I really am not into the whole news arena of life. (laughs) So usually I just zone out. Um, you must get some weird looks from people who notice you there for like three, four, five hours at a time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the trainers at my gym think I'm crazy. <laughs> um, but they do know that I have trained for a purpose now because um, I, I told them, I was like, I made the U.S. national team. All that crazy treadmill running has paid off. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's great. That's great. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about North Coast and let's talk a little bit about your 24 hours kind of leading up to to North Coast because in in the years where you were focused on that, you were running several of them a year and very well, generally placing in the top one or two. And I knew you had kind of been knocking on the door of 140 miles for a while. And then you broke through that barrier actually before North Coast. It was, I think last year you broke 140 for the first time. Is that right? I broke 140, um, I believe it was at New Jersey one day, two Mm -hmm. years ago. Two years ago. Okay. Um, yeah. And I, it was, it took everything that I had to get to 140. I was pushing so much through so many stomach issues and I was so glad that I had hit it. Um, and at that point I would have been on the team, um, because no one had had 140 or number six spot was still available with 140. Right. Um, and yeah. did you get bumped at Desert Solstice that year? Um, I got bumped at uh, Greg Armstrong's race, Run for Water. The Run for Water in uh, Tennessee. Yeah. Oh, that, and yeah. that was that was like the last chance. That was. Um, it was the last chance. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, I was bumped by Gina Slabby, and she knows this. Um, we're great friends now. Um, and I was upset with her for a while, but you know what? <laughs> she ran very, very strong, and she's one of the reasons why America won gold. And oh, so, sure. Um, I could not have done what she had done, and so I'm because she bumped me. I restructured my entire training style and plan um, so? and become better for it. Um, what before, adjustments? Before I was just, I was just running nine minute miles. Like that was what I did: nine minute miles. 
um, just every lear- day, just learning day. the pace and just knowing just that you can maintain it trusting, forever. Yeah. And now most of my training runs are in the low eights, like the average pace, um, with, with all the treadmill, uh, intervals and all of that. So, mm-hmm. um, and I, I found that's helped my body adjust because you're, you're not, when you run 24 hours, the pace that you start at, you're not going to finish at that pace. You will slow down. Sure. Um, it's just the matter of how much you will slow down over 24 hours. So like you said, Gina went to worlds and was part of that gold medal winning team there, but having passed that 140, kind of that magical barrier for you, that must've instilled in you confidence that you could do it again and that you really did belong on the team. I'm sure that was a kind of an impetus to keep moving forward in terms of trying to make the team the next time around. Definitely. And I, when I looked back through my New Jersey one day, there were things that I could have done um, to prevent stomach issues and to do better. And like I spent two hours just going to the bathroom repeatedly. Um, And so I was like, I know there's more miles within that two hours. Right. moving, not moving, moving, not moving, that kind of thing. So I knew I had more in me. Um, And when I ran fast track this year, I look back, I'm like, there are so many things that I could have just tweaked um, in order to run farther. So I know I have more in me. So do you, did you modify your diet at all in order to kind of avoid some of those GI issues? Um. Before I was trying to use other things with Tailwind and it just wasn't working. So I have just stuck with Tailwind and I've gotten gotten it basic down to a science of how much exactly I need per hour. It's like one in like three, four scoops. Um, and I just drink it and I drink it. And then I've started taking glutamine pills um, because that helps force the blood back to your stomach um, for digestion purposes versus all the blood going to the legs for running purposes. And it hasn't affected my running feeling because everything hurts all the time anyway. So, (laughs) um, but the digestion piece is a big thing for me. So is it just tail, tailwind's the only calories you're taking over the 24 hours? It is. Wow. Um, Yes, and I will supplement with um, diet soda for caffeine, and then towards the end, somewhere between 20 and 22 hours, I'll switch to ginger ale, um, just because I feel... Just to kind of help settle the stomach a little. You know, yeah, it's and I don't want to do tailwind and ginger ale at the same time, so um, yeah, it, it's worked well for me for the past few races that I've done. Hmm, Okay. So I guess, I don't want to say solving your stomach issues, but that obviously was a major step in kind of progressing towards where you, you're able to been to now. So tell us a little bit about how it went down at North Coast. It was a seemed like a, a day where people could have run fast, but there were not that many people that, I, I mean, I think you and Olivia were the only two people who hit the men's and women's standards respectively. And you guys both had some pretty dominant wins. So t- talk a little bit about that day and how it went and um, how you felt and that sort of thing. I was extremely nervous going into North Coast because I didn't want to mess it up. <laughs> like I knew I, I knew I could do it. I knew I could win. But anything can go wrong in 24 hours. Everything can go wrong. Um, so it was focusing on, all right, 
just get the wind done. Um, and that's all I needed. I was told repeatedly because I this whole summer I had trained with a picture of 150 on my treadmill. I covered all the numbers and it, it said 150 and other little cute little quotes around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I thought I had to do to be on the team. And so when I realized that all I had to do was win and there weren't going to be competitors who could hit 150, um, I was like, wow, okay, just, just, just hit 130 and win. So that was my main goal is run 130 miles and then win. Um, and so the first 30 or 40 miles were really good. I ran most of them and then I started implementing my walk break system. Um, and it went on from there. It was rather chilly at North Coast this year. Half of the loop, it was on the water, so mm-hmm. the wind was really, really cold. And then the other half, it got really warm. Um, oh, that's stagnant. weird. Stagnant. And so your body was constantly, every half mile, changing temperatures and what it was. I was rolling up my sleeves, rolling down my sleeves. Um, that's got to take a toll after a while. You know, I think it did take a little bit of a toll on my body. Yeah. Um, but I think I ran decently until about 16 or so hours in. And then I, I started feeling a little nauseous um, and I had to slow down. And at that point, um, Emily was was quite on my tail. And I was <laughs> like, I just have to keep going, have to keep going. Um, and so I, I pushed through that. I, I, I think like 10 minutes um, trying to get my stomach back where I was comfortable running again. And then after that, I just kept pushing through. When I realized that Emily had stopped and I had hit, I think I was at close, I was close to 130 at that point. Um, And I realized that I could hit 140 um, by walking. I decided to walk. Okay. Um, Because I, I was feeling a little nauseous and I, I wasn't, if I didn't need to push, I didn't sure. want to hurt myself. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I still kick myself like, Megan, you should have run. Like you could have put up 145. Like, um, and so I don't know. I go back and forth in my head. What's your PR is 146. Is that right? 146.87. Not, not that you know it to the exact hundreds or anything. <laughs> you know, not that I know. So, but then 150 is probably within reason, I think. I I hope so. So tell me a little bit about your strategy. You said you, you implement walk breaks. How, how do you approach just the the twenty four hour in general? Um, I at fast track. I what did I do? I ran twenty miles, and then every mile I took a six second walk break, um, and that was on a track, and it just it worked out fine. Every time I saw the number change to a new mile, I took a six second walk break. It was wonderfully mentally relaxing. Um, just that mental break you get, like, oh, I can walk for, <laughs> for just a you couple know, six, of strides. Yeah, just a couple of strides. Um, and then at North Coast, I think it was, I started implementing the walking at mile 20, but every other lap. Okay. Um, so until almost every like two mile miles. 40. The, yeah. The laps there are about nine tenths of a mile. Yeah. Um, and it was on a hill. Um, it's not a big hill, but when you're running it, 
that little no, one up when you're times. getting when you're getting up to the to the water basically you make that right turn uh yes okay yes yeah. okay so that's where you that's where you took your break every second lap so it's basically right where you're kind of getting past all the tents mm-hmm. okay yeah and i looking back i probably just should have done it every lap from mile 20 um so if i go back i'll do that and again that's just a few seconds yeah, I think it was like six or seven seconds in the beginning. It, it, it took longer t- towards the end of the race. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, your body's breaking down, so that's normal. Sure, sure. So, but otherwise, so, so that's more, like you said, just of a, a mental break and just a little bit of a reset and kind of a reward for yourself. Short, short of implementing those little breaks, what is your pacing strategy? Are you kind of trying to settle into that nine-minute pace and just run it for as long as you can? Are you trying to bank time? I mean, I know people approach it in different ways. Um, I, I remember Sabrina Little saying that she would kind of just try and blast the first 100 miles as fast as she could and then kind of hang on for whatever was left and whatever time she had remaining. Uh, and I know other people, Bob Hearn is very famous for just saying, just find the pace that you want to run and just run that pace for as long as you can. So what, how do you approach it in terms of pacing overall over the 24? I, I was told that I needed to practice my nine-minute mile pacing, mm-hmm. um, that I had hit 100 miles too fast at fast track, um, and that I should slow it down just a little bit. So that was my goal, nine-minute miles as much as possible. Okay. Um, so nine-minute miles, that's, that's a 15-hour 100. So where mm-hmm. did you come through the 100 at fast track? Oh, through the hundred at fast track, fourteen fifty. Yeah. Okay, so that's a little yeah. bit under nine, and that that's pretty quick. <laughs> that's not. Yeah, that's no joke. I, it, it was a forty minute PR. I was very surprised. <laughs> um, and but, but I had a good day. So, but you did you feel like you paid for it later? I mean, um, more so than you would in normally in a twenty four. Because, like you said, you're going to be beat up. You're going to slow down anyway. Did did you feel like it took more out of you than you would have otherwise wanted to? Probably. I started suffering real bad about 110 miles in. Okay. Um, there, there was a lot more walking than running um, after 110 miles. So. Right, right. Okay. And do you prefer the track, running a 24 on, on the track, a shorter loop but a, maybe a more forgiving surface? Or do you like like at, at New Jersey or at North Coast where you have a one-mile or about a one-mile loop on the pavement? How, how does that just suit yourself kind of mentally or physically? I prefer the track. Um, just easier just to pace. It's and... easier, and if I need something, it's almost immediately available. Yeah, you're just going to hit it every minute or two, Every basically. two, three minutes, yeah. 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 Um, and it's, it's more stressful on my husband, um, and we chatted about that. And so for North Coast, we brought another person to help crew. Um, just because I do get needy later on in races. <laughs> and so it, it's not fair to him to put all of that burden on him because he's tired, I'm tired. Right. Um, the stakes are high. It's stressful. Um, and I and I get upset if he misses something or if I say something, I need something and it's not available the next lap. Um, and that, that certainly takes, I think, a couple of times either running it or, or crewing something yourself to realize – kind of how much of a strain it is on the crew for, for any of these things. Any crew, anyone crewing a hundred or, or a, you know, a 24 or obviously a multi-day or something like that, they're, they're going to be tired too. They're going to be kind of not at their best and, and you kind of forget sometimes how much of a strain that is for just somebody who just, just sitting there is, is still right. kind of under a bit of pressure. No. And I, I honestly think crewing is harder to stay awake with just because you're not moving, you're stuck 
stationary um and it can be boring at times too so right um yeah no i i crew for my husband when he does his hundred milers and i i definitely know the feeling and i and i feel bad when i get angry um and apologize but we have a rule that what's set on the trail stays on the trail sure um just just for the health of our relationship does that Um, work both ways how is he at the end of a hundred um, he can get a little cranky too. <laughs> okay, fair so, <laughs> you know, everyone has their breaking point. And when you're in a lot of pain, it's, it's harder and you're more vulnerable with people who you love. Right. Um, so you're willing to say not nice things. Um, which is why we brought his sister with me, uh, with us to North coast this year. She's family, but she's not family that I would get mad at. Um, <laughs> so so it it's like almost a little bit of an external filter. It is, yes. <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you also just before we kind of signed off about some kind of other issues going on in the sport, uh, particularly as it relates to uh, women, because you are obviously a one of the, the top women ultra runners in the country. And there's been a lot of discussion recently about how do we open up ultra running uh to more women and, and get more women involved in the sport, especially at the higher levels. Is it, you know, a problem with uh, inequities in media coverage? Is it, I mean, in some cases, it's a prize money discrepancy that I think a lot of people have been trying to address. Is it, you know, does it fall to the race directors? How do you see this? Do you see this as an issue? And, and do you see this as something that, you know, how, how do we work towards solving this problem of kind of unequal distribution? How do we get more women into the sport? You know, I think it's really hard for women because women have the childbearing um, issue and then they're usually the ones who are taking care of the kids um, and just early toddler life. And I, I'm being told by so many people right now that having kids will t- be, I don't want to say be a burden, but will take away time from training and from being able to compete. Um, so I think it's hard in that respect, but I also think just getting women involved in trail running in general would be great. We have a local um, Virginia Happy Trail Running Club mm-hmm. that does a half marathon um, on local trails every year, and they get so many applicants that they have to turn some away sometimes because it's um, becoming that popular. So I think it's finding a runner that you like and being like, hey, come out on the trail. Um but I also I also see the inequity in the prize purse issue right. as well. That's not exactly fair. Um, that seems like the lowest hanging fruit of all, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think it's fair. I probably wouldn't race in a race where it wasn't fair. Right. Um, I'm really not a huge – I learned that I am not a huge money uh, person. Money will not motivate me to run faster. Um I lost a race because I was like, yep, I just don't care. Um, (laughs) I don't want to say it like that, but like I pushing through my issues because of money was not going to get me there. Right. Um, So, but even still, like it should still be equal. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of these questions are difficult to answer and, and you make excellent points about the, the child rearing. And I think there's, there are inherent um, kind of biases or, 
just kind of the way that our society is formed that that kind of work against equality and participation just like i say inherently or or kind of just almost subconsciously and and those things can be difficult to correct and and it does take a, i think like you say like almost a one to one grassroots kind of approach to to bringing people to the sport but the the inequalities in prize money and prize structure when they exist are just mind baffling or mind blowing baffling however you want to say it because that that seems like such an easy thing to correct and i mean you know you you have race directors who try to justify it in terms of participation or or competition or whatever it is but you know it's it's basically obviously mental gymnastics to get around an issue that seems just very very straightforward right no i i 100% agree yeah so hopefully we continue to move towards that how how do you think the competition has changed recently in the 24 hour discipline it seems like in the last few years the 24 and, and some of the multi-day races have uh, gotten a little bit more attention and, and people have, you know, even people like yourself with trail backgrounds have turned a little bit more to the 24-hour stage. And we've seen the the competition, I think, go up in terms of quality. We, we've The USATF has raised the minimums for qualification for the national team for each of the last two national team cycles, and that may continue next time around as more and more people hit these minimums. Have you noticed an increase in competition at some of the bigger races and in terms of the fields that you're seeing? You you know, the women in America have started to be really good at 24-hour racing. If I was hitting 144 six years ago, I would have been a no brainer on the team. Right. That, that probably wouldn't have even, that probably would have been like three or spot three or four, you know? Um, so it, it's kind of crazy to me because I look back and I'm like, man, if I was only that good so many years right. ago. Right. And it's not that long ago. Like you said, it's I mean, not. four to six years ago, I think the minimum for women was like 120, 120. and it's, it's 10, yeah. it's 10 miles further already. And, and like you yes. said, 130 now is still no guarantee. Right. Oh, no, it's definitely not guaranteed. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the next cycle it's bumped up to 135. Yeah. Um, Just because there are women in America who can do it um, and they're going to keep proving that they can do it, which is great um, because that means we have a stronger team going to compete in the international event. So. It's exciting for all of us, I think. Yeah, it really it's it's exciting to see. and, And as a fan of the sport, I like to see kind of different, just different, like, you know, the trail running is great and I love following the big trail races, but it it is cool to see how all these different venues and all these different disciplines really come together. And and I I love seeing competition and I love seeing top runners like yourself, like Courtney, like Gina, who have succeeded on the trails also going to the track and to the roads and, and, you know, putting up some really cool performances. It's, It's pretty awesome. Definitely. Definitely. So how how is your build up next year? What do you anticipate leading into World? World is in October. Obviously, you're, I would assume you're going to build your season around that. So, what does that look like? Kind of, how do you plan for that? Um, my season will look like I am going to try to get my hundred mile PR time faster. Okay. Um, so I am going to the hundred mile World Championships. I'm not in world, the national championships in Vegas, um, in February, I'm going to hopefully be able to run a little bit faster. Um, and then I think I'm also going to do keys 100 in May. 
both of them oh, are wow. road hundreds. Yep. Um, just because I think the more road I can get, the better, um, more pounding on my legs will be better for me. It, it is um, a, it's a paved course in France, right? I, I believe so. I looked at the website and it was all in French and I couldn't figure out <laughs> what the loop was exactly. Um, but that's what it looks like. So Keys is going to be warm. That's usually pretty hot down there. Yeah. How do you handle the heat? Um, you know, that's a very good question. I've gotten better with it, um, but I definitely don't think I'll be blazing fast. I'm not looking for a 100-mile PR there. So I'm just doing that for, for Just fun. training purposes and then yeah. try and run fast in Vegas and then mm -hmm. just train through the summer and get ready for October, huh? Yes, yes. That Usually I have a solid three-month training block, um, so I'm I'm hoping that maybe I'll I might find a race in June or July. Okay. Um, just to just to make sure I can still do 100 miles and then um, run again. Do you periodize your training at all in terms of like certain times working more on intervals or speed, certain times working more on distance, or is it you you kind of are on a kind of a, just a general plan the whole way? Just a general plan the okay. whole way. Okay. Um, I usually have one speed work day where it's truly speed and then one really long run day and then the other runs are whatever I kind of feel in the middle. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And who's on the team with you right now? I know there's we still have another few months to go now because they pushed back world. So the qualifying window stays open until I think March now. Mm -hmm. But uh, who? Or actually, no. It might even be May. I think it's a fi five it's, months. It's May. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's so, May. but who, who's on there with you right now? Um, currently, it's Katie, uh, Courtney, Pam Smith, Gina, me, and then I believe the sixth spot is Whitney Richmond right now. Oh, it's a really strong team. Yeah. Oh, so you guys will have a shot at meddling again for sure. I I hope so, and you never know what desert solstice will bring. There's a lot of competition going there. So I'm excited to watch and not get a stomach ulcer and enjoy <laughs> sitting back and watching. Just knowing that your spot is secure. Down. That's pretty great. Yes. That's pretty great. Yeah, the field there, look, I think because initially uh, that was going to be the last weekend of qualifying and that field yes. filled up really, really quickly. So I think if, if everyone still shows up, it, it's going to be pretty exciting there. Definitely. Yeah. Very much. Cool. And then... One last question I had for you before we get into your Desert Island picks. Do you have any interest in multi-day racing? Not currently. I, I'm i not good at running two-a-days. Um, I'd prefer to get all of my training done at once. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm doing two-a-days, it's because something came up right, or right. I have to do that. Um, it's just working body. around the lifestyle or whatever it is. Yeah, yep. and I, I just get tired. Um and usually when I do second runs, it hurts and I'm tired and I'm, I'm not enjoying it. Okay. Um, so the whole sleep deprivation of multi-days, I'm not exactly sure how I'd be able to sleep for like 10, 15 minutes and then get up and run again. Right, right. Um, I, I think I'd like to do one just to say that I did, but I don't think I'd be competitive in it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. Before we let you go, Megan, we need to get your Desert Island picks, which I talked about before. I'm sending you to a Desert Island for one year, and you are going to be able to bring one book, one album, one meal, and one beer. So what are you bringing on your Desert Island? Um, I really enjoy the book, um, The Brave Athlete, 
calm the F down. Um, <laughs> I've, I've it, heard of that. I have not read it yet. It is an awesome book. It's one of the best sports psychology books that I've ever read. So I'd bring that. Awesome. Um, I... Can I can I cheat and say my Spotify motivational mix? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I, I don't have can a Can I post a link album. to it? Um, it's a general one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, we I can I can send that to you. Yeah, send me the link. Um, That'd be fun for people to uh, punch in and listen. Okay. Um, and then my meal. I'm a very big breakfast for any meal kind of person. Okay. So it would definitely be eggs, avocado, and some French toast. Oh, nice. Yes. Are you like are you like the kind of person that ordered breakfast at like a diner like at one o'clock in the morning or whatever? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's good stuff. Oh yeah, I I will eat eggs all day every day. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, one beer. Do you drink beer? I don't drink beer. Okay. Um, Does it give me a, give I, me any beverage then? I would if it's an alcoholic beverage. I really like the White Zin. Okay. Um, but if not, I really like um, Cherry Seven Up. Diet Cherry 7-Up. All right. Good. Yeah. Good. I like somebody who's willing to drink diet soda as I drink my Diet Coke right now. <laughs> Megan, thanks so much for joining us. Good luck in Las Vegas. Good luck in France. I'm sure I'll talk to you before then. And uh, yeah, have a great year. Congratulations on everything at uh, at North Coast and on, on making the, wor- the world team. That's really fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for joining us tonight in the Pain Cave. Please, again, if you can spare a few bucks, please donate to any of the relief providers helping out west with the wildfires. Everybody be safe out there. And until next time in the Pain Cave, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Broken down and beaten up. The years have been long and tough, but I'm not dead. Happy now just to spend some time with friends and have a roof above my head. I'm not jaded, just been faded Like a good old pair of jeans Rusted like a proud old car That's drove a little too far And seen too much rain But long ago as a child I look about the night sky And wild wonder man And ride the bus and feel upset To think of all the years I'd have to go through that I was still young I was still